wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys? And welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, May 14th, 2020. I am Graham Gison Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and ready for another super special edition of the show here today. So, not only are we bringing back Mr. Marceau RJ for another candid conversation about all things Money in the Bank, Raw, NXT Dynamite, and everything else going on in the world of wrestling right now, and there's a ton to talk about. We had a very newsworthy week in wrestling this past week. But I'm also airing, coming up in mere moments, my exclusive interview with the new Mr. Money in the Bank SmackDown superstar Otis. Now, this interview was recorded last week, last Wednesday, before the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. I believe the match itself was recorded last month. So technically, I already you know, talk to him when he won the Money in the Bank briefcase over a month ago. So it's a great conversation. You can check out the written form of our article right now on Bleacher Report that went up last Friday ahead of the Money in the Bank pay-per-view yesterday. So there's a ton going on right now. Yesterday, I had the chance to chat with the then one half of the former NXT Tag Team Champions, Matt Riddle, before his championship title defense last night on NXT, before losing the titles to Imperium. More on that later. I had a chance to chat with him about all things NXT, Brock Lesnar, MMA stars, and WWE, and much, much more. That conversation probably will not be making, will probably not be airing here on the show at any point, at least in the near future. Uh, may have to wait a little while on that, but you can check out the full written form of that interview right now in article form on DailyDDT.com. So hopefully more interviews to come. We've had a ton of interviews lately, ton of interviews between Jim Ross last month for Bleach Report. You heard that audio here on the show a few weeks ago. I still have yet to air my exclusive interview with Brian Quinn from Impractical Jokers. That should be coming up next week here on the show in addition to Double or Nothing Predictions with Mr. Marceau. Last week we had Eddie Mansfield, a recent Dark Side of the Ring star, for an awesome conversation with him about all things Dark Side of the Ring, the John Stossel story, and everything else. So check that out if you haven't already. And then today we're talking to Otis. And then Matt Riddle was yesterday, although that's an article for him and not here on the show. So if you haven't already, please rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Play, NextAirWrestling.net. Your support of the show is greatly appreciated. New episodes, of course, up every single Thursday. As for me, you can find me on the socials at WrestleRan on Twitter, on Facebook at Facebook.com, backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews, and also up on YouTube on YouTube.com, backslash C, backslash Graham Gsm Matthews. So, without further ado, please welcome at this time a very special guest, the new Mr. Money in the Bank, Otis. What's going on, Graham Slam? Doing great, doing great. My first question for you, uh, you've competed in Triple Threats, Fatal 4-Ways, even Miracle on 34th Street Fights, and your rookie year on SmackDown. How is this upcoming unique Money in the Bank ladder match at WWE headquarters different from all of that and everything else you've experienced in your career up to this point? 
Yeah, it's definitely something where uh, the very first time being in the headquarters, I had myself a three-piece suit on, my button barely going across my belly, uh, a, uh, a, uh, a belt to try to go around my dress pants, and a very nervous cat my first day into the headquarters. Now that uh, we've been being the head machinery and myself and and Manny been getting getting going with the flow, keep on that train coming. Now we're going to the headquarters now with some momentum going down. We got to win over Dolph Ziggler. That man was a, was a very mean man, always always making fun of me, and we took care of him. And now I have five other athletes to take to try to take care of. And if this is going to be a speed game, I'll do all I can to do to stop them from getting up to that roof. And I don't know when we're I don't know where we're starting. I don't know if we're starting at the cafeteria, which would be awesome. Or if we're starting in the lobby area to check in before we start getting down and getting dirty. Or we, we, we go to Vince's office. We go we can go anywhere. This is where something that I hope we don't get any trouble breaking stuff because, my Lord, you put, you put the men and the women at the same time in the headquarters. I just don't know what's going to happen for me personally, but I bet you it's going to be a history of the making. And just the thought of getting to the top of that roof kind of freaks me out a bit because I'm not a big heights guy at all. And I'm telling you, I'm... Nervous, nervous to have the, the the ladder hold my weight too. So yeah, that's exactly my biggest my biggest concerns is that if the ladder will stay and getting knocked off that ladder to try to get that briefcase. But it's a, it's a prize to be to cash in at any time for a for a world championship. So we got ain't, ain't nothing to do besides besides try to get there and get her done blue collar solid style. And with Money in the Bank falling on Mother's Day this year, what are your mom's thoughts on your pay-per-view main event coming up this Sunday? And how cool would it be for you to capture the briefcase on such an important day? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a big weekend because uh, with my mother, it's her birthday week as well. Tomorrow's her birthday. Oh, I want awesome. to give her the, be- the best uh, birthday present possible, and that is uh, have her son, <laughs> her baby boy, <laughs> yeah, but win the uh, winner for her, winner for great-grandma, the... Uh, the money in the bank briefcase to get that contract. I got full support from Ma. She uh, when she made that fruitcake for Mandy, she has all of her best intentions, and uh, she was a little nervous in between this whole thing with Dolph and Sonia. Now that uh, you know, my mom will be watching from home, you know, with 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 my father, and uh, I just hope to make them super proud. And hopefully, no matter what the outcome is, that's just that it was you know like. We get it. We get it. It's going to be completely awesome. But if we don't get it, blue collar saw does not stop. We don't put our heads down. We keep on coming. How have your battles with Dolph Ziggler? You mentioned right there. You know Daniel Bryan, Drew Gulak, and even Tommaso Ciampa during your time in NXT. How have those battles helped you make the transition from being a full time tag team competitor to occasionally competing as a single star going into this weekend? It's something different. Uh, I, I, I will be a, I'll be a lion man if I thought to, to tell you that I didn't. I didn't uh, have my big butter for a reason, man. He he, he guides me around. I, I need a guide, you know. He always <laughs> he's one that knows always where to go. He always knows the strategy. And without the without Tucky there, it's just that you know they people have called me a loose cannon because maybe because I with my emotions being so high and I can't control them as good. And then they Tucky by my side. I mean, I, I'm worried for their safety for for the money in the bank match and that 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 transition because. When you're in there alone, you know that's a whole different ball game. You know, when you when you have your partner, you have your partner. He's in your corner. You can tag him. You can tag him at any time if you can if, from the other team. But this this is there, there's no tagging here. It's one it's one big battle. And uh, those battles before were big learning experience. I've always came up short with those. And uh, like I said before, I ain't nothing to hang my head on because 
You know, I wasn't raised that way. I wasn't born that way. Mm-hmm. And they might, they may have a sing, they might have a singles uh, competitors experience more than I do, but they're gonna, they're, they're gonna know they went through hell and, and match with me. That's for sure. And you were also on your own at WrestleMania 36 when you beat Dolph Ziggler and got the girl and Mandy Rose afterward. Um, how was that WrestleMania moment like oh, yeah. for you, despite there being no one in attendance that that night? It was uh, something very special in my heart. It was my it was my uh, very first uh, WrestleMania match on the uh, on the on the card. And because uh, year uh, as year before, we me and Tucky had been in the Andre, Andre the Giant Battle Royal before, mm-hmm. uh, before the year before. And this is a huge step from that. And that. Um, do do you have no like to, when I when I when we heard the crowd at Royal Rumble when I saved Manny from that first <laughs> elimination, mm-hmm. that reaction was just like just like jazz to my ears. Like if that just carried on to you, and if things were if it was if it wasn't for the pandemic and had a full crowd there in Tampa, mm-hmm. that I would I would you know, I still remember that I still remember it just like like it was yesterday when I first time with the wind with the kiss, <laughs> you know the good guys over the bad guys. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But, it, it, you know, it's something, something I've said before in interviews, we just miss the fans, and man, I just, I can only, I only imagine, envision, if we kissed in front of a live crowd, what they what they would have thought of this, but the support's been awesome, and uh, yeah, man, I definitely miss the crowd on that, but hey, man, the, the grass always grows, and there's always new opportunity around the corner. Of course, and it was soon after WrestleMania that your episode with Mandy of Ride Along aired, and uh, it was on that episode that you and Mandy actually yeah. rode into the arena for Elimination Chamber a few months ago on a horse and buggy, which was an amazing sight, and it was an amazing scene. Uh, can the WWE Universe expect you to arrive to WWE, uh, WWE uh, headquarters excuse me, in, a, in style on Sunday as well? Yeah, that, that could, I felt very bad for that horse. As as a side note, there that poor that poor baby. But he was a stud, though. He he rode us around downtown. And you should have seen the faces of people that don't follow wrestling mm-hmm. seeing Nevon Billy out. To tell you that that was that was probably the most enjoyment joy, enjoyable moment with that because they're just looking at us like, what the hell is going on? Who's that babe with that guy on the wagon? And uh, but on a serious note. Uh, when it comes to Sunday, it's probably going to be uh, shake downtown. It's going to be a showdown time, and to show up in style, that's for other. That's for other things. My mind's full, fully focused on. Uh, so I'll probably just drive my big Ford Focus down there. You know, nothing flashy. Get out the car, park it, throw the keys to the valet man, get get in that building, put my gear on, and get ready for a shoe. And you mentioned before your long-term, uh, long-time term, long tag team partner from Heavy Machinery, Tucker. Uh, I know this is a yeah. tough one, but uh, what would mean more to you, winning the Money in the Bank briefcase this Sunday or eventually winning the tag team titles with uh, with Tucky? Oh, tag team titles for sure. Oh, for really? Sure. It's, uh, yeah, we've, that's something where we we visually charted together and, like, yes, this is this is the greatest opportunity you can get as a, as, 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 you know, this does never falls in anybody's lap. They have to earn it and climb that ladder, the corporate ladder, as they say, to get that briefcase. And when you first ask that question, the first thing that comes to my mind is, yes, winning a tag team championship with Tucky because we've been so close before mm-hmm. through NXT, through Raw and SmackDown. We've been so close to just getting opportunities, trying to get those tag team titles, and we just fall short. And every time it happens, it hurts a little bit more. It hurts a little bit more, a little extra. It's our soul a little bit more, actually, because you leave a part of you out there every time you leave 100% effort out there to get those tag team titles. And you come up short, it just hurts you as a man, hurts you as a as a person that just believes in when hard work pays off, it pays off good. And at this moment, we haven't had the gold. We haven't had tag team championships. And 
And my thought is, from when I first asked, if you can want to ask me, compared to the briefcase, the tag team titles, I'm going to say tag team titles because that's what I've been experienced through my whole career is beside Tucky and trying to get those tag team titles. And we haven't had them, but right now it's like we're not in the tag team picture. Right now, the focus is that Money in the Bank briefcase. So as of right now, that is my focus, is that Money in the Bank uh, contract. So the story with Mandy Rose, how do you think, how important do you think the long-term storytelling is there? Because this is a story that extends even well beyond when it first started back in December on SmackDown. This goes back years and years, dating back to your time in NXT together. Um, how important do you yeah. think the long-term storytelling in sports entertainment with a story like yours, uh, how, how important is that in the perfect payoff that it had at WrestleMania? It's uh, something that, uh, it, it, when I mentioned it to Mandy, like, uh, Years ago, because uh, we always she always jokes about uh, like uh, like like fans like fans and stuff and like how they're like they seem so nervous to talk to her and they see her in person and all that. I mean, why wouldn't she? For God's sake, it's Mandy, it's Mandy Rose. And uh, I was like, well, to be honest, when I first met you, I was the same way, and I couldn't uh, explain it. Then when we started talking to her slowly in uh, NXT, I started giving her little nicknames like Chris Farley and uh, Beverly Hills Ninja when he calls uh, Allison Page's dove. <laughs> I was calling her Dove, and I was calling her Mandy Candy. I would take her to the candy shop. I would see if he sent to her in, in uh, karaoke style and follow around the PC. Everybody thought I was a weirdo, too. i just follow her. And I could go to the women's locker room, obviously, but I saw her down the ring area. I saw her down the cafeteria. I'd be like, oh, yeah, Mandy Candy. <laughs> candy shop. And uh, just as hell unfolded now, like, it's, uh, it's something really, you know, it, I, we, put, we put a ton of work in. Uh, Dove, Sonia, Mandy, and, like, it's just, it's just, like as, as I said before, when you work when you work, when you work hard and you, and you and you and you play by the book and you just hope that the reward is what you expect and it's been everything we expected and uh, um, it's just just great to network with a bunch a bunch of great great people and uh, we're just having a little bit too much fun here so I think if we can't cut that fun now we're gonna continue the storyline baby and just uh, see where we can take it and uh, we're just having too much fun we're having too much fun right now with it. And uh, final two questions for you. You mentioned Chris Farley before, so I got to ask. It's well documented, of course, that you're a Chris Farley fan. So if you had to keep one, improve one, and erase one among Tommy Boy, Black Sheep, and uh, Billy Madison, what would you do for each? Uh, so, so this is like best one from. Uh, I don't know what the questions are, but so it's like which one I like, which one I kind of think is okay, then which one I do I, I would erase. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Right? Pretty much, yeah. We got Tommy Boy, Black Sheep. Billy Madison, right? Yep. Yep. Correct. Uh, absolutely, Black Sheep's my top. I would erase. Uh, um, let's see here. I would erase Billy Madison. No, no disrespect, <laughs> but I would. Uh, I would keep my Tommy Boy. So yeah, top Black Sheep is my top movie. Um, and I love Billy Madison. Don't get me wrong. That's like you know, that's not knocking it there. But if you give me those choices, to, uh, it was going to be definitely Black Sheep and Tommy Boy, my two top picks. And they're all great, so I know it's hard to choose. But uh, final question for you: what, What's the spot there, brother? What'd you say? <laughs> Put me on a spot there, brother. <laughs> I know three three classic movies. You gotta erase one. I know, Good I know. Lord. It's a tough question. I I was like when I was coming up with it, I was having a tough time myself because I love Billy Madison, but the other two are just that much better, you know. Um, but oh, anyway, magic. yeah, they're just great. Uh, so final question for you: What's the first place that you have your sights set on taking Mandy, and hopefully the Money in the Bank briefcase when everything opens up again? Oh man, we we that's that's been the main thing. But uh, with uh, we have our date in mind. But the first thing we're gonna do, with the, hopefully when it was quarantine and the whole shakedown calms down, hopefully people are actually hugging and kissing again. 
and uh, shaking hands. Um, we're going to go to her dad's restaurant, and I'm going to meet the whole entire family, the whole Italian family, to meet them all. <laughs> and as I have met the mother, the mom, uh, the mom's a good gracious with me. Uh, but the dad, I think, is a little worry about me. So I'm going to meet the dad, have a nice gentleman conversation together. And then I'm going to try all of his food because I, I love Italian food. Mm-hmm. And that, that'll be our first thing we're going to do once this pandemic kind of slows down. Everyone's getting everyone's getting what they want to do again instead of being stuck in the houses and driving the loved ones crazy. But, yeah, it's going to be – we're going to definitely do that first at her, at her dad's restaurant. And then after that, it'll be a surprise as was the horse and buggy will be a surprise. <laughs> That's going to be something to look forward to, as is Money in the Bank on Sunday. Otis, thanks so much for your time. I I very much appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Huge thanks to Otis for his time. Had an awesome time chatting with him. The cool thing about that interview is that it was going to air it anyway here on the show today. But what makes it more relevant and more timely is that he did win the Money in the Bank briefcase. Now, when I was you know, asking those questions about what it would mean to him to win that briefcase. Did I honestly think he would win it? Not really. AJ Styles was my pick, as I said last week here on the show with RJ. And then he ended up winning the whole thing. So awesome for Otis. I figured he was a wild card. I may have said that here on the show last week. But he ended up winning the whole thing. He very well may be the next Universal Champion. Time will tell. I guess we'll find out tomorrow on SmackDown what he has planned for the opportunistic briefcase. Uh, But anyway, awesome thanks, or a major thanks to Otis for that awesome conversation about all things SmackDown, Mandy Rose, Tucker, Money in the Bank, and so much more. Again, the Matt Riddle interview will probably not be here on the show for a while, if not, at least in the foreseeable future. So keep an eye out for that here on the show down the road. But in the meantime, you can check out my exclusive interview with Riddle in article form right now on Daily DDT. So without further ado... For the second part of the show here, we're going to welcome back Mr. Marceau to talk all things Raw, Dynamite, NXT, get his thoughts on the Money in the Bank pay-per-view from Sunday, and break down everything else going on right now in the world of wrestling, which is quite a bit. Mr. Marceau, welcome back to WrestleRant Radio. How are you doing? Doing good, GSM. How are you? Doing amazing. I've been very anxiously anticipating this conversation just because so much has happened this week. I had to get your two cents on everything from the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, which right off the bat you thought was one of the better pay-per-views in recent memory, yes? Yeah, I thought it was a good show. I mean, I thought it was a pretty good, complete, small show. It was actually very quick. The two and a half hours kind of breezed by. I was shocked when after that match, the credits ran. Um, but no, I thought it was a good show. I thought every match had a, like a decent purpose. I mean, the MVP... Slash Bobby Lashley versus R-Truth match was kind of just a waste of time. But besides that, the tag team match was great. Um, enjoyed the, both the title matches and the Money in the Bank matches alone I thought were very uh, very well done. So that was a great little show. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like you said, it's two and a half hours long. I think you would be a fool to shit on it just because we have not gotten a show that short from the main roster anyway in decades. It's It's been forever. I know we kind of get that length with the takeovers. Um, usually they're anywhere from two to three hours long, but from the main roster, it's almost unheard of, even for the B-level shows, to get a two-and-a-half-hour pay-per-view. So thoroughly enjoyed that. We'll get into that momentarily. The winners, the losers of that show, as well as Raw, Dynamite, NXT. There is so much to talk about, which is why I was looking forward to this conversation, as I said earlier. But before we get into any of that, even more important than... Becky Lynch getting pregnant, or that piece of shit Alberto Del Rio getting arrested again, or even the Undertaker documentary on the WWE Network, I gotta ask you, Mr. Marceau, Mulan, have you watched it back yet? Because I watched it last week, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I haven't watched it back yet. I mean, I told you it's a great movie, so I'm glad that you checked it out, but uh haven't checked it out yet, but I'm trying to find some time between Star Wars or Mulan. 
Oh, all right, all right. So we'll get into that right now. Um, I know we we were discussing this last week. We we went on like a time a ten minute tirade about you know movies to watch, Disney movies. Disney Plus is a gem. You can watch all this stuff right there. Marvel, Star Wars, you know, classic Disney movies, newer Disney movies. You didn't watch it on Disney Plus, but you did watch the new Beauty and the Beast. How was that? It was amazing. I love that movie. It's my favorite. <laughs> Either that or the Aladdin remake are my two favorites. You know, I think that might be the new... What I want to do going forward, for as long as we have you here on the show before the Red Sox steal you from you again, uh, we'll we'll see. But in the meantime, I want to get your movie recommendations for shit I should watch again or haven't seen in a long time or I've never seen. Now, I've never seen the Aladdin movie, so that's probably my go-to movie for this coming week. Yeah, I definitely recommend the uh, Aladdin remake. It's actually really good. I think we already discussed this, but did you hear about the Hercules remake? I think you mentioned it last week, but yeah. I haven't actually seen it. Have you seen the original? Have you seen it recently? Like the old animated one, I haven't seen it in a while. All right, so that's my recommendation for you. Go check out Hercules. It's an amazing movie. It's one of my favorite like Disney movies of that era. Your Mulan is my Hercules, I would say. And I, I enjoy Toy Story and all those other movies, but I put those in a separate category because they're Pixar. But anyway, uh, movie talk out of the way. We'll get right into the news first. That happened uh, before anything else. Uh, there was so many, so much news that broke on Monday. So before we get even into Money in the Bank and all that other, you know, tops and turvy, uh, tops and turvy stuff, we got to talk about Alberto Del Rio getting arrested again this past weekend. Don't have all the details, but it has been reported by uh, various news outlets out of San Antonio, which I believe is where he lives that he was arrested for domestic abuse, beating up. I don't know if it was his girlfriend or his wife. I know he's been married before. He's been in various relationships. I know he was obviously in a relationship with Paige for quite a while a few years ago. Um, And now he's been with someone else, and he assaulted her um, despite her telling allegedly him to stop and that that she wouldn't do what he wanted to, blah, 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 blah. A lot of disgusting stuff. Um, kind of got into it a little bit on Wednesday. Just want to say that the guy is a major league piece of shit. And you know more than anyone. I've never been the biggest Del Rio fan. I, I, I've enjoyed him in the past. I really enjoyed early on his WWE run. Had a chance to meet him about five years ago. Decent guy. We joke about it all the time. Wasn't the nicest guy in the world, but it is what it is. Just wanted his pesos. Um, but, you know, I enjoyed his Lucha Underground run and stuff like that. So it, it's sad to see, despite the fact I've never been his biggest fan, a guy go from multi-time world champion in WWE to now involved in this just bottom feeder bullshit um, that was obviously all his fault. It's not like, oh, you know, he's going through a tough time, he's doing drugs or whatever. The guy is just a grade-A asshole. So uh, your thoughts on the recent story, the recent controversy regarding Alberto Del Rio, RJ? Sounds like clearly he's not going to be coming back to the company anytime soon after (laughs) the kind of allegation. Um, I mean, I agree with you with that. I really did enjoy his first run with the company. I thought he was good as a heel and kind of served that new Latino role very well. Um, they pushed him pretty well. I mean, he had a couple title reigns. I thought he was, he did good at that point. The, the time when he came back for the second stint wasn't the greatest. Uh, sucked in the League of Nations. It kind of just was a flop the second time around. But uh, yeah, I can't say I'm too surprised. He kind of looks like someone, not to ju- judge a book by its cover, but he looks like a scummy kind of guy. And uh they haven't really, really heard too many good things about him personally, so can't say I'm surprised, and I, I don't think he'll be returning to WWE anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I was looking for a reason for them to not welcome him back, and this is it, I hate to say it, but 
I, I don't want to say I'm glad that it's happened. That would be that would be st- that would be terrible. But um, I'm just glad that he won't be back anytime soon. Because I discussed this at length a few weeks ago, or rather a few months ago here on the show. Maybe about two months ago. It was around the time this coronavirus started. Because I'm like, oh, if the coronavirus pandemic isn't bad enough, there's talks about him coming back and uh, coming from people within the company saying that listen, we had no talks with him. A lot, a lot, you know, a lot like when Enzo came out about a year ago saying that, oh, yeah, you know, Triple H wants us back in NXT, blah, 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 blah. Triple H said, listen, we're not talking to them. We don't want them back. And that was the end of that. (laughs) We never heard from them again. We never heard anything else about them coming back to WWE. Same thing with Del Rio. He's been kind of laying low. Just kind of in general, he was an impact two years ago. No show to show. What else is new? And uh, they fired him, uh, I think, over WrestleMania weekend about two years ago. And he hasn't really been involved in a lot since then. But uh, even if he was a... I I said this on Wednesday's show on Hashtag, but... Even if the guy was an upstanding citizen and he was the greatest guy in the world, I just see no real use for him back in WWE. Because when he came back five years ago, I remember watching with you. It was the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. He was introduced as a surprise opponent for John Cena, beating him that night in five minutes in clean fashion for the United States Championship, which at that point was almost unheard of. And then he was off to the races from there, and then it just completely went downhill for whatever reason. The Zeb Coulter shit didn't help. But uh, even outside of the ring, I mean, the guy's never been the nicest. But in terms of them needing a new Latino star, it seems like they have, uh, you know, a plethora, a good word to use, of Latino stars to kind of choose from between, you know, Angel Garza. They have Rey Mysterio back. They have Andrade. Doesn't really seem, or Humberto Carrillo being another one, doesn't really seem like there's that much of a uh, need to have Del Rio back in the WWE fold, RJ. Yeah, exactly. They already have a few good up-and-coming young heel Latino stars. They don't need to go back to this well one more time. Absolutely not. So thankfully, that, that was that was some pretty negative news on Sunday, but the bright side, if there is any to the story, is that he will not be back in this company anytime soon, if ever again. Thank God. Uh, that being said, that we had a ton of stuff come out from this past week in WWE. We'll get to Money in the Bank, Raw, Becky Lynch's big announcement on Monday momentarily. First, gotta ask you, it was uh, the news broke on Tuesday's WWE Backstage show that Sami Zayn will be forced to vacate, relinquish the Intercontinental Championship. Now, I believe this is because he just chooses to not show up right now, which I completely respect. My only question is, if this whole thing was going to happen with the, you know, Sami Zayn saying he wasn't going to be there, they probably knew about that ahead of time because he was making appearances on SmackDown leading up to WrestleMania, and I'm sure he, I, I assume, probably expressed interest in not being a part of the show after Mania. So why would they keep the Intercontinental Championship on him? It seems a little odd to me. Yeah, that doesn't really make too much sense. I mean, he did, he did like, post after they said that he was stripped that he was, like, saying that he should have been stripped, but if he's not going to be on the show, then why even have him as champion, like you said? Yeah, it's very bizarre. So, I mean, obviously, it's not, it's not a work, but it's all part of the storyline. You know, he's, there's no real heat there, I would assume. They tagged him in the tweet, and usually if there's heat there, then they don't do that, or, you know, he responded. So, I assume it's all part of the storyline. We have yet to know, as of this recording, who's going to be competing in this upcoming tournament to crown a new Intercontinental Champion. SmackDown, very light on main event talent right now, but their mid-card is pretty solid, uh, considering that they have Sheamus, Jeff Hardy, Nakamura, Cesaro, Daniel Bryan, Drew Gulak, King Corbin. They have a ton of talent to choose from. Um, who do you think will be among those participating in the tournament, and who do you think walks out as the next Intercontinental Champion? The list of guys you just named were, were probably all the names I was going to list off of the top of my head. Um could probably maybe even see um Ali Chad Gable too maybe. At this day maybe a little Ali or Chad Gable, but I think all the people you just listed were probably all the people I was thinking of at the top of my head. Um winning it, 
Um, maybe Corbin. I, I feel like he was kind of maybe almost one money in the bank, but maybe Corbin, um, Shinsuke. But I mean, that, we kind of been there, done that with Shinsuke mm-hmm. with that title. I'd probably say Corbin or maybe Ali, since the, the whole mystery gimmick, if that's actually him or Gable. I'd say either one of those three. Yeah, Corbin, I would assume, makes the most sense. No, I do personally. I know I don't speak for everyone when I say this, but I would like to see a Brian-Corbin feud at some point, and that could work with Brian in chase mode and Corbin as the champion. And remember, when he won the King of the Ring, now I hate the whole King Corbin shit, but Corbin did shine in that King of the Ring tournament a few years, not even a few years ago, it feels like a millennium ago at this point, but it was only six or seven months ago that he won the King of the Ring tournament and was having some awesome matches in that tourney with The Miz, Ricochet, Samoa Joe, Chad Gable, and a few others. So, uh, yeah, I would like uh, uh, Cedric Alexander being another one. So I I wouldn't hate that idea. I do think that it should lead to the end of this King Corbin stuff because it's just almost unbearable. As regular old Baron Corbin is a bit better. Um, But anyway, so I I like that idea. I I love me a good old tournament. We're we're in the midst of one right now in NXT, so they love themselves a tournament. But it fills up TV, so I, I don't blame them. Uh, speaking of Raw SmackDown, uh, it was kind of hinted at without them actually saying that it's coming back, that we might be getting the return of the wildcard rule. Now, that debuted almost exactly a year ago on Raw, which allowed, I think it was, it started with three, then turned to four that same night, I think. Four talents from Raw to appear on SmackDown and vice versa. Now, that number was quickly done away with. They never paid attention to it again. And people were on both shows every freaking week for, for months and months and months before they went away with it. They went away from it in time for the draft, which I really appreciate. I like distinct rosters. It gives me a reason to want to watch one show to see a specific superstar. I don't want to see King Corbin on Raw, but that's just me. Uh, but it looks like they might be going back to that, if if only subtly in the beginning. I mean, it, it won't stop them from completely abusing it, you know, going forward, but... Uh, We are having King Corbin next week on Raw facing uh, Drew McIntyre, his old running mate from about a year and a half ago. And then on SmackDown this Friday, we're getting the NXT Women's Champion Charlotte on the show. So what are your thoughts, RJ, on the return, uh, apparent return of the wild card role, and are you in favor of it or not? Uh, I would say no, I'm not in favor of it. I think the idea is stupid. I understand that they keep thinking that since the ratings are are declining, they need to keep influxing talent from show to show, but in the real scheme of things, it should be developing the talent you have into being stars. And then from there, you have to rely on flip-flopping people on different shows and just kind of getting the same people on Raw and SmackDown every week. That's just, it's, if anything, it's going to turn people away from watching both shows. Cause if you're going to see someone on Raw, then why watch them on SmackDown as well? Kind of defeats the purpose. Um, but I think it just comes back to the same core, core thought that we always have is they need to build more stars. Cause if you had more stars and you have to rely on people switching shows, yeah, I mean, the Raw ratings now, I was going to talk about this when we got to Raw in a little bit, but we might as well address it now. Raw ratings are at an all-time low, and SmackDown's ratings aren't that low yet because they're on Fox, but they're quickly approaching the same tor- territory they were in when they were on USA um, you know, less than half a year ago. And I think they're kind of bottoming out at like 2 million. You would think with Raw, people have been saying for years, oh, they'll never go past 2 million viewers. Like, they have their core 2 million viewers, and not even those people are around anymore. Like, we're at 1.6 million people a week now. I think this week it was a bit higher, but uh, that's still not a good sign. I don't think the wild card rule coming back will change any of that, will change their fortunes whatsoever. I think the damage has been done. I don't think it's Drew's fault. I don't think it's... Who's the Universal Champion? Braun Strowman's fault? I don't think it's any of those guys' fault. I think it's the, the, the fault of the company 
for not putting more stock in the talent of today and tomorrow as, as they do the people of the past uh, when it comes to you know giving people a reason to want to watch these shows because they focused very heavily going to WrestleMania on you know the Undertaker, John Cena, Goldberg, Edge, who is you know still around, but Brock Lesnar. They're not on the shows anymore, so why would people want to watch these shows? I know the lack of crowds is obviously a factor. People cutting the cord because they can't afford it. I totally understand that. But, you know, if Stone Cold Steve Austin was at the peak of his popularity as he was in 97, 98, 99, in today's modern era, people wouldn't have to cut the cord because they would want to watch Raw every week. So I don't think it's the, the fault of people today. It's just years and years and years of abuse to the modern-day roster to the point where now we're finally seeing the damage of them doing that, you know, with the with the current stars not feeling special whatsoever. Yeah, I completely agree. It's like people don't understand if it was like back in '99 or '98 when the attitude was hot. It's, it's it's no different if they brought like Piper back and Hogan back to be like the big attractions and just take away from those guys that are trying to get to that star level back then. But now they just do it with these current guys. Bring back the old dinosaurs just to pop a rating when you could just make new stars and actually make them as popular as these legends are but like you said they just can't stop focusing on these legends and it's really hindering people's retaining they're just they, people aren't entertained as much anymore because it's you just have to bring out the old guys back and you have no stars now you can only rely on them for so long even the undertaker yeah mm-hmm. he's a big big guy but even just watching his documentary just he's in pain a guy can barely get through one match let alone making our somewhat of a run so clearly that well is going to dry up soon with the undertaker guy can barely wrestle one match so um it's interesting to see what they're gonna do like you said the wild card rule i don't think is gonna change anything for ratings just because you're switching people that aren't really that big of a star anyway so why would that pull people to watch smackdown or watch raw because king corbin's on raw come on no one's gonna turn tune in because he's on on the show exactly yeah i think it doesn't i think what people have to realize too is that people have this idea in their head like, oh, you know, fuck WWE because go AEW and if they fail, AEW will rise. When they turn away wrestling fans, WWE that is, and even other companies, but specific, I, I single out WWE because they're the biggest game in town here. If they turn people away from watching the show, I, I guarantee you, I don't know what the what the ratio would be. A lot of these people, unless they're diehard wrestling fans, they're not going to say, oh, let me go watch another show. They just won't give a shit. They just won't give a fuck about professional wrestling, and then just they just won't watch. You know, I think it hurts the business overall that they do this, because then the, the fans, it's not like, like when WCW died, the fans then migrate over to WWE because the product was so bad, they just went away and they never came back. I feel like a lot can be said with the same thing with WWE, where they screw over the fans time and time and time again. I have enjoyed the product recently, but I'm talking about long-term booking here, with a lot of these people, a lot of these people do not feel special. And McIntyre's been booked very well, which I applaud them for. But, you know, it's just years and years of booking malpractice with a lot of these people to the point where fans just won't come back. I am convinced, dude, that I don't think when this whole thing is over that the ratings are going to skyrocket and that crowds will be, you know, hotter than they've ever been. Some of these people just may stop watching the shows currently and may never come back. A lot of people just move on to the next thing. That's just human nature. They don't go back like, oh, wrestling's back on now. Like, unless you're a diehard fan like me and you, for the most part, a lot of people just aren't going to go back. So that's my biggest gripe with this whole thing, you know? Yeah, there's, at this point, there's no incentive. If you stop, stop watching, what's going to change? Like, the shows won't change much once they go back to a live crowd. Yeah, there'll be a crowd there and kind of give you that old wrestling dynamic of a crowd and kind of that feeding off the like a match feeding off the crowd but 
it's like you said, it's not like all of a sudden just because they have crowd, they're going to have these great shows again. It's going to be the same thing. So if you're detracting people now, the chances of them coming back is very little. Now, I'm glad you brought up the Undertaker documentary because I did want to get your two cents on that. I did my whole review here on the channel a few days ago, but I absolutely loved it. I'm glad they're doing it. This is exactly the type of content they need on the WWE Network. And you and I have been here on this show for years now praising this documentary, that documentary. I remember we went back and forth about the first 24 they did five years ago about WrestleMania 30 when they showed Taker collapsing in the back. And it was like a two-second clip, but they go into more detail about that on this documentary. It's five years late, but I'm glad they're finally getting to it. They discuss that. They discuss what was supposed to be his final match at WrestleMania 33. And I'm, I'm happy to have you here on the show to discuss it because we were both there for that match, for that moment. Um, just a really great inside look of the career, behind the scenes look at Mark Calloway, the person, and not the Undertaker character or whatever. They're not just talking about his best moments and matches. This is real shit about where something where we've been discussing for years now, when do you call it quits? And I think a lot of people would say, oh, we should have retired to WrestleMania 28 after he went 20-0. That's my argument. He should have retired after WrestleMania 30 when the streak was broken. Should have retired after WrestleMania 33 after that whole amazing swan song. And he just keeps coming back. So before I get your, I mean, before I get into the specifics of the doc, uh, you kind of mentioned it there, but what were your overall thoughts in the documentary? Did it live up to your lofty expectations? Yeah, I thought it was very entertaining. It was a good, I think it was like the episode was about 45, 55 minutes and in between there. I thought it was a good episode. It just, it's honestly just more sad just kind of realizing what the state that he's in now. I mean, like I just mentioned, the guy can, can only wrestle one match a year and just to get that, he's like basically killing himself. He said he prepares, he get, literally wrestles, has surgery, goes to physical therapy, wrestles again, and then goes right back into surgery again, so... Just crazy that at this point of his career, he can only prepare for one match. That one match is basically killing him. He repairs whatever's killing him, and he goes back and puts his body through it again. It just, I don't know if it's a money thing or just love of the business, but he just needs to hang him up. Yeah, no, it's sad. I mean, I really I really enjoyed it. I am a Taker fan. Um, you know, I just I don't want to see him continuing to compete for not no reason. I mean, I'm sure the guy's making a pretty penny off these matches. What I want to know, though, and I hope they explore in future episodes, is is it his call? I mean, they kind of alluded at the end of this episode as a teaser for part two this Sunday that it was his call to come back because he wanted to redeem himself. But I feel like at the same time, he kind of said... Um, in that Stone Cold podcast, I don't know if you saw it, the, the Broken Skull sessions from a couple months ago, he had mentioned, you know, Vince gives me the call and I'm there. So I feel like he kind of, he's one of those company guys, he does everything that Vince asks of him for the most part. I'm sure unless it's really dumb, but they wouldn't have him do that at this point. Um, he, you know, they call, he's there. So I feel like it's also partially... Vince, and Vince McMahon's fault in the WWE, specifically Vince, because he calls all the shots. It's just funny to me, because they had Vince on the special, which you never get to see Vince in these type of documentaries. And he's like, oh yeah, he didn't look. And it's like, dude, you're the one that's continuing to bring him back. You know, I, I love the WWE documentaries, don't get me wrong, but if I had any one issue with them, if I had any one gripe, it would be that for a lot of these specials, whether it's this one, the Monday Night Wars one especially, they put on their rose-colored glasses and they kind of tell their story from their perspective. And they're, you know, actively, what's the word I'm looking for? They change the narrative a lot, you know, to kind of suit their own narrative. 
kind of retroactively changing history in their eyes. I, I forgot, there's there's a word for it, but they do that with a lot of stuff. I feel like they kind of did that a little bit here with Vince, because why wouldn't they bring up that Vince wanted him back for the subsequent WrestleMania? And I can't fully believe that it was 100% Taker's fault, because Vince has to sign off on it. If Vince wanted him to retire there, he would have retired there. That would have been the end of the story. But, uh, yeah, the, the, it's just crazy. So, uh, being at WrestleMania 33, we saw the match in person. You had a much better view than I did. Uh, what were your thoughts on the match at the time? I remember coming out of it and thinking they told a solid story. Then after going back and watching it, I'm like, uh, yeah, this was complete shit. I mean, I'm glad he had the send-off that he did, but the match was just complete garbage. Yeah, I, I just remember that match. I mean, there was just a long show, GSM. It was. These WrestleManias are just so goddamn long. I mean, before watching it back, I really don't remember much of the match. I just feel like the crowd was just dead at the whole match. I just wasn't really a good match. He said it told a decent story, but just like watching it back, the, sh- the match just sucked. I mean, and I just the way that he went out, it should have just. I know, it, I know the match sucked, and obviously he wanted to redeem himself, but I just the way that he ended it, just it was kind of like you said, his swan song of just like leaving the hat and the coat in the ring, but. He's still coming back, and like you said, he did allude in the documentary. I think it was in the documentary as well. He was just saying, like, oh, Vince calls, I show up. So, I mean, it is probably up to his call, but I think he's at the point of his career that he doesn't want to be done yet. So he's, like, thinking, like, he doesn't want to be done yet, and then Vince calls, so he's like, oh, I'm not done yet. So it's just kind of, like, delaying the inevitable. He doesn't want to, like, admit that he's done. Do you think, well, I mean, there's been uh, speculation among fans since this thing was released on Sunday that this could be leading to maybe not an announcement, but Taker kind of hinting at that Boneyard match, which they've showed clips of in this special when hyping it up and whatnot. Do you think this whole thing could be leading to Taker kind of saying at the end of the last episode that he's officially done in WWE, or do you think that just might be a pipe dream? Um, it's possible. I mean, hopefully. I mean, I hope that's that. If he if that was his last match, I'd be I'd be happy with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want him to come back to another like actually in ring one on one wrestling match and just stink up the joint again and then come out again. Like, been there, done that. The last match before was it the last match before the Boneyard match. The one where he had with Goldberg in in Saudi Arabia. Um, he wrestled that tag team match at Extreme Rules. With um, Roman against Shane and Drew, which was a lot better, but I mean, that would be a dumb last match. But before that, yes, the Goldberg match was the last match that he wrestled. Yeah, so that was the last one-on-one match he wrestled. I'm all set seeing him wrestle one-on-one in the ring again. I just, hopefully the Boneyard match is his last, or if not, he just sticks to those kind of matches. Besides that, guy needs to hang him up. I understand he's a big legend and stuff, but at this point, no one's turning on the TV to watch a old man wrestle that he can't, that can't even wrestle anymore, so... Yeah, no, I think that'd be the perfect note to end on. He kind of seemed like you would watch the end of that match with him like raising up the arm and he was in badass American badass taker mode. And the whole thing was great. He went out on, on his shield with, you know, the, um, you know, lo- looking really good, you know, winning the match. So uh, I-, I think that'd be the perfect way for him to kind of ride off into the sunset literally and figuratively on his motorcycle. And then we never see him on TV again, and at least until they induct him into the Hall of Fame at some point. Um, but we'll soon see. I guess we'll, we'll, you know, we'll follow that story, see if that ends up being the case come the uh, series conclusion, I believe. I want to say on June 21st is when the last episode airs. Um, that being said, kind of an unrelated note, but a similar documentary-style show. Have you been keeping up with Dark Side of the Ring at all? And if so, what episodes have you seen? I just caught up to, I think I've seen all of them besides the New Jack one. I think I've seen every other one besides that. Oh, wow, okay. I- 
I watched the Herb Abrams one or the UWF one like over the weekend. I watched the Dave Schultz one yesterday, and I also watched the Road Warriors one yesterday as well. Uh, they're all very good. I mean, some episodes are stronger than others. The New Jack one isn't must-see. It's still good to see. I mean, it, it's the, the, some of the stories are just wild. I mean, if you thought the Herb Abrams... I mean, the, the Herb Abrams one is probably the craziest of them all, and New Jack is just a documented psycho. Um, but it's still worth checking out. I mean, he's on the documentary itself. They interviewed Jim Cornette. He was just a riot in a lot of these shows. Um, the Road Warriors one, what, what were your thoughts on that? Kind of a sad story. I don't know if you have any... Not memories, but you know they he they were around, not around, but I'm trying to think. Is they didn't they do an angle on Raw like right before he died in '03? I feel like they were at least made a, an appearance together. I know they were on SmackDown in '05 when like Animal Team the fucking Heidenreich, which is so stupid. Um, but do you have any memories of the Road Warriors from your early years as a wrestling fan? Not them together, but I do remember the, uh, when Animal came back with Heidenreich and did that kind of foolishness. But, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't remember them. Maybe, like you said, they could have came back in 03, but I don't really remember it at this point. But, no, I, th- I thought the documentary was good. Definitely sad, but, I mean, I thought it was a good story. And it's kind of, it's just crazy how company and work-driven uh, Animal was and how Hawk kind of had a different kind of, outlet on life i mean just two guys that like they said lived lived together traveled together for so long and just they were just complete polar opposites and just it was i thought it was a great documentary definitely probably the best tag team of all time so just a crazy story yeah just crazy stuff a lot of stuff i did not know i think they had said that uh I recorded a review of it the other day. It won't be up for a while, but they had said that I think the Legion of Doom name came from like He-Man or something like that. And I saw people ripping the comp- or ripping the uh, you know the show online, saying that wasn't the case. I mean, like I, I I have no idea, but people were getting really pissed about that. But I thought overall it was really well done. Um, real quickly, again, there's so much going on that we're only just getting to it now. Even though I asked you about it at the start of the show, Money in the Bank on Sunday, I thought was. And I got to apologize to you, Mr. Marceau, because you asked it in hashtag, and I completely blew past your question. I read it out loud, but I didn't say, um, I forgot to answer because I was too focused on the first part of your question in regards to whether it was one of the better pay-per-views of the year. And you mentioned it earlier. I agree. Um, you know, I liked WrestleMania. I don't, you know, Elimination Chamber was what it was. I think Royal Rumble is still the best pay-per-view of the year. I thought the Rumble was great, if only for the two Rumble matches themselves. Um, But for what it was, I thought it was a good, short, and sweet show. And obviously, the big news coming out of the show was that we have a new Miss Money in the Bank as well as a new Mr. Money in the Bank um, in Asuka and Otis, respectively. Now, Asuka has since gone on to cash in the briefcase. not, Not cash in, but trade it in, or it was for the Raw Women's Championship, whatever. Very convoluted a little bit. Um, Oscar won and Otis won, which was a bit of a wild card. I believe I may have said that to you last week here on the show, and he ended up winning the whole thing. Uh, so what were your thoughts? I know we discussed this at length over text, but in a nutshell, what were your thoughts on both Oscar and Otis winning their respective briefcases this year? I thought I thought it was a good uh, good match in general. I thought I thought like the small interactions they had together were fun. The whole ca- all the cameos were good. Um, the ending sequence for the women we discussed this via text. I thought it was weird that. Shayna wasn't even in the picture. I mean, Liv Mor- uh, Carmella and Dan Brooke, like, who cares at this point? But it was kind of strange that they only had Nia, Oscar, and Lacey in, like, the final sequence, and Shayna was not one of the people. I mean, she's been a, basically one of the main focuses on Raw since she d- came up, and her not even in the ending sequence was kind of silly to me. 
Um, but I thought once there was them three on the top of the top of the uh, building, I thought Oscar had to be the one to win. Lacey would have been pretty neat, but Nia, no, thank you. Um, so it's good <laughs> to see Oscar win, and then the men at the, they all made it to the top, so they kind of kept your suspense there. Corbin just throwing black and Ray Mysterio off. I pissed when he threw. Black I was gonna off say like, your heart probably oh broke in that moment. Oh, I was so mad. I was like, well, there he goes. And then there goes his chances too. I will say I do like the like ending sequence of AJ and Corbin fighting over the briefcase and basically just throwing it and Otis caught it. Um, yeah, I like that too. I liked Oscar winning. If it was, besides Shana, Oscar was kind of the person I wanted to win, so I wasn't too mad with that. Otis, depending on how they do, it's kind of our another one of our buzzwords. It's all about the aftermath. He could win it and just cash in and have a good run or you could just waste it on a tag team titles uh, as being rumored which would be just stupid because don't why would you waste that opportunity on a tag <laughs> yeah. but it's all about the aftermath i also know you you mentioned maybe he'd give it to mandy and maybe she could win or maybe they turn on him which i think is way too soon so at this point i'm happy with who won and how kind of what's going on at this point but Kind of got to wait and see what happens before I either praise it or just say it's the worst thing ever. Yeah, no, I agree. But with the women, real quick before I discuss Otis, do you think Sheena's dead in the water after losing back-to-back pay-per-view matches, or can she still be redeemed? Um, I think she can still be redeemed because... <sighs> I think she can still be redeemed, but I just think... I don't know. The way the company just... I just think if she was... Maybe they didn't want her to be the end because she was. They want to push her strong, so if she was the end and lost. Would kind of make her look bad, but um, she did win on Raw against Natalia and kind of killed her, which needs to be happening. <laughs> uh, but Oscar's heel and so's so's Shayna, so that kind of doesn't really work unless they turn Kyrie or have Kyrie turn on Oscar and then have Oscar as a babyface. But I think Kyrie'd be more is more is more normal babyface than that kind of dynamic. So be interesting to see what they do with the division. They have a ton of heels on Raw at this point. They have Oscar, they have Nia, they have Shayna, um, Charlotte. Kind of would I would kind of put her more of a heel as a thinner face. Uh, the only real faces at this point they have like Liv Morgan, uh, Natalia. Like they don't really have too many faces on Raw. So be interesting to see what they do. Um, but um, yeah, I I, I I hope Shayna can figure it out, but I, I think they're also high on Oscar, high on Nia Jax, and I think she may get lost in the shuffle some, somewhere down the road. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they're still keeping her strong. It's not like she's losing, you know, every match that she has, but, you know, dude, we say it, we've said it for years now, we say it every time, if you don't win when it matters most, you're a fucking loser. And two matches are one thing, it's not like she was pinned or submitted, she lost in fluky fashion at WrestleMania. But I have to ask you this. I know they didn't know at that point. I think she was pregnant. So Becky announces on Raw this week that she's pregnant. Um, that's what I texted you about the whole announcement. And I, I, I mean, that wasn't my idea. I just saw a lot of people speculating that. And I'm like, if it's not, you know, unless she's injured, what it doesn't really seem to be the case. And she denied that on Twitter. And then what else could it be? I'm thinking, okay, she's probably pregnant, which is exactly what ended up happening. So Becky Lynch is pregnant. And they didn't know at that point, I would assume. I mean, why would they? Why would they let her compete if they did? that she was pregnant at WrestleMania, but I just think this further illustrates that she should have dropped the championship at WrestleMania, not because of this, I mean, partly because of this, but she should have won it anyway. 
you know, I really do think Sheena should have been the one to beat Becky for that belt. And I think, and I, I, I definitely brought this up on hashtag, but I feel like we're in a similar situation right now because you asked me uh, for hashtag yesterday about what, you know, the, the status and the, the, you know, the state of the Raw Women's Division, I feel like it's very similar, in a way, to when Asuka went up to the main roster. She was in NXT. She was the longest-reigning NXT Women's Champion of all time. She ended up getting close, but Asuka still holds the record. She beat Ember multiple times. She beat the Iconics multiple times. She beat Nikki Cross multiple times. So all of these women, when they're in NXT without Asuka, they all look, you know, completely inferior to Asuka. And yeah, they wanted to do it to maintain Asuka's mystique on the main roster, which I get. And this was, you know, you know, life happens uh, with the pregnancies and stuff. But when you don't focus on other women, this is the type of shit that happens, dude. So Becky's gone for a long time, and I'll get to her in a second. But with the Raw Women's Division, I feel like everyone else, even even Shayna, because she lost to Becky Mina, and she may never get that win back at this point. And, and it's not like, oh, she won the briefcase she was going to cash in on Becky. She didn't even win that. So it's like, do you think they run... Even Asuka. I like Asuka. I always have. The issue is that they've just made her out to be such a clown lately. I just can't take her seriously. So that's just me. But do you think they kind of run into an issue of putting all their eggs in the Becky Lynch basket to the point where now that she's gone, a lot like when Ronda left, even though they knew she was leaving and they had her lose, which was good, so Becky got the rub. Do you think they're in a position now where all this, not bad booking, but like the lack of focus on the rest of the division is coming back to bite them? Um, I would say it's, I wouldn't say that yet because with a snap of their fingers, they can just bring Charlotte back to Raw and they have kind of that star power that Becky is now missing. Um, but I mean, I understand what you're saying as well. Becky basically beat everyone on Raw at this point. So basically, they gave Oscar the championship because Becky left. But then Be- all those other people that are now contending, well, I don't think she beat Nia Jax, but she's beating everyone else. So it's kind of like you said. So Ember Moon wins in NXT, and then she has to, all her challengers are people that basically Oscar just went through, like, mowed through. So we'll see how it works. I feel like they're starting to try to put a little bit more stake in Liv Morgan. Not the biggest Liv Morgan fan, but it's better than her not showing up. At least they're trying, I, I guess. Um,. But like I said, I think it's more interesting to see what they do coming out of this with Asuka. Um, who they have her feud with right off the bat, because like I said, she is a heel. I If Shayna comes out and beats her, like you said, like the thing is, like you said, if she was going to win Money in the Bank and cash in on her, okay, fine. But she didn't even win the match. So clearly they, they weren't kind of focusing on her unless they thought Beck, if I don't know. I just, I, like you said, I think it is a kind of a convoluted situation, but I don't think the division's dead in the water yet. I just don't really know what they had planned for Shayna, because if she wasn't going to win Money in the Bank, were they going to try to like somehow have her face Becky and then Oscar would still be Money in the Bank holder, even though she just came out two losses? It's kind of, it's kind of in a situation now that we, we really don't know what was supposed to be planned. So it could they could have had Shayna then face Becky and then beat her and then. I don't know. It's just it's one of those situations where we really don't know what was coming down the pipeline. Yeah, no, exactly. We won't I mean, I'm sure we will find out at some point, but we don't know when they found out for sure if they knew that going into money in the bank, because if they didn't, then I kinda get it, but it sounds like they did. So who really knows at this point? Um just just very bizarre. But great for Becky Lynch on becoming what we, what was that? I don't think they knew that she was gonna I don't think they knew until like literally I don't think they knew until Monday. Because they were still throwing, they were still airing the the promo on Money in the Bank. So like Becky's gonna, she's gonna confront the Money in the Bank winner on Monday night. They were airing that Sunday night, so I don't think they knew until probably Monday. I mean, I know they did also. They also did uh, 
tape the match as well in advance, but I, I would be I'd be very interested to see when they found that out. Yeah, I'm curious because it's not like she's wrestled lately. So maybe she had a hunch that she was pregnant, but she didn't know for a fact until Monday, or they, she didn't tell them until Monday because she did cut one promo a while ago that I think was I think what happened. I think they taped that raw after the Money in the Bank ladder matches. So why wouldn't she have done it then and then announced that the briefcase is for the title? I don't, it's just very odd, you know, very strange. Um, so yeah, I think the Raw Women's Division, it's not completely dead in the water. They also have Bianca Belair, who they really haven't done a lot with since she got called up, but that's another option as well. It's just a matter of how they portray these women. Like, they give Liv Morgan, who I'm not her biggest fan, but she's improving immensely, and she wins and wins and wins, and then she loses to Charlotte, which was completely stupid. So I guess we'll see where they go with that. Um, you, you kind of mentioned it before, but I got to address it again with Otis. Do you think that he goes for a tag team title? I know we made a, you know, he, he talked about that in an interview. I don't know if he was joking or not. And we'll find out probably tomorrow on SmackDown when he's on Miz TV. But with Otis, do you think, I mean, I think we can agree that we hope this doesn't lead to Manny turning on him by next month and costing him the briefcase, right? That'd be completely stupid. That'd be so stupid. That's the, probably the last thing I'm hoping for. I know you've discussed this as well on Hashtag. The thing is, it's always been discussed as the winner of the Money in the Bank gets a world championship match. I just think it would be extremely foolish to make him look really, really dumb if he took his one big opportunity that he might never get again and cash it in on a fucking tank team title match. <laughs> that like, means nothing. The logic in that is just, I understand he has a partner and he's a tag team guy, but... If you get that big opportunity, you can't just squander it because you have a partner and you want a tag title. Those things mean nothing. I, I just if you he was thinking logically about his wrestling career, you wouldn't fucking cash him in on a tag team match. I'm sorry. Mm. It's just stupid. If they want to do that shit, then hold a feaster fired briefcase match from the old TNA days when they would have like four or five different briefcases, and then one of them would have a pink slip in it, and sometimes they would legitimately fire that person. <laughs> I mean, it's so TNA. But I mean, you can get rid of the fired gimmick and then do it like each briefcase for a different championship. That's what they used to do. Um, but yeah, I'm, I don't know. I don't even know if they want him to cash in successfully. It's, it's just a matter of how they do it. Like, he could announce ahead of time that he's cashing in on Braun. He gives him a good fight, but he loses. Not anytime soon, but you know, even that would be silly just because they've already had Braun and Corbin lose. Braun and Baron in the last couple of years lose their title shots. So I think a third one in four years with the other one being Brock, and that was just a complete waste as well, I think just doesn't help. But I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. I think you could have avoided this altogether if you just gave the briefcase to Aleister Black, right? Seriously, I mean... I don't know. Like, like you said, it could have been fixed, but like, I also don't want I don't want Drew losing anytime soon as well. So, I mean, they could hold onto the belt, but I don't know. I'd rather I realistically, I'd rather have Alistair win the briefcase, but it is what it is at this point. I'm not going to cry about it. How great was the uh, Rollins McIntyre match on Sunday? Loved it. I thought it was a great match. I mean, I wonder what it does for Seth now. He's kind of in a weird state, but. Uh, We'll see what happens. Maybe go after a little United States championship. Maybe I don't know. That title nothing. I mean, honestly, no. He should not. He should not put himself in that picture. That belt means as as much as a belt I made out of cardboard at this point. I was gonna say as much as the belt that I'm wearing around my waist at this present moment. Just a complete waste. <laughs> exactly. That belt means literally means nothing, guys. Can't. Now we can just go on this rant. Andrade's just a straight-up loser. He's a loser. He's a loser. I I just, I don't get it. They just beat him the Drew to lose. I I just... Twice. 
do they think if he just loses to the WWE champion, it makes him look good still? Like, I don't get the fact that... Maybe, dude, but it's not just that, though. It's like, that's dumb enough, but they've had him lose so often. He lost to Apollo Crews in the tag team match, which ended up serving no purpose, because Apollo got hurt, which he didn't. But he got pinned there. He's, he was pinned by Rey Mysterio before WrestleMania, and that went nowhere. It's not like Ray Ray got a title shot that was completely forgotten about because Rey Mysterio went into quarantine. What the fuck happened to that? Carrillo's pinned him a bunch of times. That shit went nowhere. I mean, dude, what the fuck? Yeah, the whole stable, and then now they're teasing tension in the stable. At this point, why would anyone care? They're literally a bunch of losers. Who gives a shit? Do you, I mean, obviously it's too soon for that, but do you think they're going to replace one of those guys with a new member? Where the hell is this going, and why should I care, RJ? Um, I don't know if they'll get a new member, but I think they're going to pawn off Austin Theory. He just doesn't really fit with the group. I think he's had a decent run on Raw, but I don't know. If they're going to do anything, I would say get rid of him. Maybe, maybe get like, boot Angel Garza and then have him turn face and beat Andrade, but I kind of like him in the faction with Zelina and Andrade, so mm-hmm. I'd probably just say boot Austin, but uh, I could. it'd be a nice little program if thing is the belt means nothing so even if he wins it it's like who cares so i don't know i would say keep him and andrade together build up andrade a little bit and then have angel turn on him and then maybe the championship will mean more at that time back to you back to nxt with you austin be gone jobber be gone so hopefully we'll find out soon enough what they do with him but um yeah so we have the iconics back on raw yay or nay rj i mean i popped huge but (laughs) Who really cares? The tag team title belts are as useless, like you said. They're as important as the belt around your pants right now. I mean, I love Nikki and I love Alexa, but the belts have no prestige. There's literally four teams in the division. Now, looking back at it, I thought a couple of years ago it would be a good idea. The tag team titles for women is just a terrible idea. They don't even book their men correctly. How they're going to book a division with three sets of women as teams is just... It's a good idea, but they just it just hasn't been... Hasn't been utilized correctly, and they just need to get rid of them. But they're just, they're just so bad. I love Payne Royce, but Billy Kay is annoying, and the act together is just annoying. It's I'm terrible. Dead. Yeah, even when they were the tag team champions, it just wasn't working. The act has always sucked. I mean, I've been saying that almost since they got called up to the main roster. It just, it just doesn't work for whatever reason. They were better in NXT, maybe because they actually won once in a while. But even when they were tag team champions, they never won a fucking match. But uh, yeah, who, who could possibly give a shit? But speaking of bad ideas, don't know if you saw this report. But I think based on what we saw on Monday's Raw, and I thought it might be like a phony type shit, but it looks like they might be legit. Did you see that they might be trying to push Jinder Mahal as a top, like, Indian star on Raw, despite the fact he's not actually Indian? As, as I'm sorry, as a top babyface Indian star on Raw. Can't wait. <laughs> don't, don't hinder Jinder, GSM. Come on. Jesus Christ. You bring back the Iconics, dude. You bring back the Iconics. You bring back Nia Jax. You bring back Jinder. Now I'm starting to I'm starting to realize why Raw was so good for such a long time earlier this year. All they need to do is bring back Del Rio. Get the trifecta. <laughs> uh, say goodbye to my cable box at that point. Um, we we've talked about it before, but they kind of further teased it on Raw and at Money in the Bank. MVP and Bobby Lashley. Do you are you in favor of it? I'll I'll say yay on that. Um. Not the biggest MVP guy. I mean, I think he's good as a manager, wrestler, kind of over it at this point. But him with uh, Lashley would be cool. And I love how they just kind of just split him and Lana up. No explanation really at all. Just kind of been there, done that, over that. Um, but no, I'm definitely yay on MVP and Lashley. 
I, I hope they don't just pair him up to feed him the Drew, kind of like the Roman Reigns treatment, but I think giving Lashley some actual wins and making him important, uh, I think that's what we all thought of him when he got signed with the company again back a couple years ago. Yay or nay? I guess we'll, we'll continue on with a yay or boo theme here. Yay or boo on Backlash coming back on June 14th? Um, Depending, I mean, we don't know any of the matches right now, but I'm with yay. I'm a I'm an old school pay-per-view guy, so bringing back Backlash, I'm a yay on. I love Backlash. <laughs> I say I love Backlash, but the last two pay-per-views, I, you, you probably don't remember, but they were completely atrocious. The last one, Backlash was last held in... May, I think, of 2018, they had a, the main event, a non-title, by the way, of Roman Reigns versus Samoa Joe, and the crowd shit all over it, and Roman Reigns won clean LOL. It was completely terrible. The overall show sucked, um, but that was, they had AJ Nakamura go to a draw after they kicked each other in the nuts, which was stupid as all hell. That show sucked. Um, and then the, the backlash before that was where Jinder won the WWE Championship, so... That kind of that 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 gives you all you need to know on backlash. Maybe they. I was thinking maybe they could do Jinder and Drew. I think about it now at the backlash pay per view. I hate Jinder being booked as a top guy, but I guess it would make sense for that show. But it doesn't look like they're going in that direction. Rather, it looks like they're building up Bobby and Drew for backlash as the WWE Championship match. Is that something you would want to see, RJ? I would say it's a little too soon for that. They need to build up Bobby way more before they start pushing him as a as a heel for the title. I mean, one month. Mm. Give them, give them a couple. I would say that's more of a SummerSlam feud. No, I agree at this point, especially if they're going to give away, you know, Rollins and McIntyre at Money in the Bank. I would build up Bobby at least until July or August before you put him in that spot. But I mean, it's cool they're doing it, but at the same time, I think it's a little too soon. Um, yeah, your boo on another match between Edge and Randy Orton, probably at the Backlash pay per view, and Charlotte Caruso calling it the greatest wrestling match of all time. <laughs> um. <laughs> I think I'd say yay. Eh, I would say more yay than boo, but I'm not overly excited for. Like we just saw the match, I, and an edge one. It's not gonna be the greatest match ever. That was just a. I think she just <laughs> didn't know what to say and just said it. I mean, but I, I would say more yay than boo. But we just saw the match. Don't really need to see it again. Edge one cleans the sheet. Come on. Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher splitting up on NXT. And we're kind of going speed around here. I don't want to spend too much time on each topic. But because, again, there's a lot that happened this week. Uh, Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher breaking up on NXT, dropping the NXT Tag Team titles to Imperium's Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner. Your two best friends from WrestleMania Access last year. You could say that you met the NXT Tag Team Champions, RJ. I know. I almost posted a picture last night of... <laughs> Me with that uh, NXT uh, at uh, WrestleMania Access, great time. You got to post the picture, but you can't crop out Molly though. <laughs> I would have to. It's, it's <laughs> Amazing, but Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher are no more. Wasn't a big fan of how they went to the first match in the main event, clean finish. But I assume that was done to kind of further the Thatcher heel turn, turn on Riddle, and kind of hopefully set up a rematch for Takeover next month. So uh, yay or boo on Riddle and Thatcher already splitting up and Imperium becoming the new tag team champions. I'm yay on uh, Imperium being the champions. Uh, I just don't. Th- I, I'm not a big Thatcher and Riddle fan. I, I mean, they're okay. Uh, I, I'll, I'll let Pete done. So anything for Stallion Pete. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I I miss him a lot. So I, I, I'm not that I'm pissed, but I mean, is what it is. That it just kind of that's silly. But they didn't barely team. So like, it's not like it's like DIY and they're breaking up. It's like oh, like they were together for so long. Like such a big betrayal. Like. 
it was like a little shocking, but it's not like I'm like, going to lose sleep over it. It's not like a big tag. Like the It's not like the freaking Rockers when they broke up. It's like, oh, my God, how could he do it? It's like they teamed for like a month maybe, and then mm-hmm. they just turned on each other. So it is what it is, but it, at least it keeps Riddle busy at, the, at, at, at this time. Do you think this was originally planned for Riddle and Dunn before Dunn had to miss the shows? Do you think this was always going to be the case that they dropped the belts? I mean, maybe not to Imperium. It might have been Grizzled Young Vets or something, but do you think this was always the plan for Dunn to turn on uh, Matt Riddle? I think it's possible. I think, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I think they probably just switched up, and instead of Pete, it was Thatcher. But, I mean, I, I see Dunn as, and Riddle as more of a single, single star, so... Um, them in the tag team division, like you said, could probably lose it. They're grizzled young vets, but due to the whole COVID situation, um, that didn't work. But yeah, I would definitely say it would have been Pete and, and Matt at this point. By the way, dude, what the hell happened in this year? They were on the show for like a week and they have not been shown since then. Oh, the two guys with Malcolm Bivens? Yeah, I was going to say, that's another... You, you've met like three tag teams in NXT between the current tag team champions Undisputed Era and in this year as well. It's funny. Yeah, I don't know. I just they just scream AOP 2.0. Obviously, they're Indian, but they're the same kind of athlete. Two big guys, they're like okay in the ring. Just I don't know. I I just with crowds, I just could see them just crapping all over these two guys. Unfortunately, um, it'll be interesting to see what they do, but uh, I don't see it, GSM. Yay or boo on the return of NXT Takeover in your house on June seventh. I think it's a cool idea. I, I don't know why you you would say that's a major announcement. I would say it's a, a decent announcement. I would say major announcement. They acted like like the brand um, was over or something like that. Or yeah, I, they acted like or yeah, exactly. They made it seem like it was the greatest announcement ever. And then when they said it's in your house, I'm like, oh, cool idea. But that's like when Cody was making those AEW huge announcements. It was like something that's a, a decent announcement, but it was. You know, for the AEW stuff, it was it, it was because they were going back to Jacksonville. Remember that? That was what they were yeah. announcing. It was like biggest announcement ever, and everyone's like, "Oh, they signed X, Y, and Z," and it was they're going they back signed to Luther. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're going back to Jacksonville for their New Year's Eve show. Yes, like, yes, yes. Okay. So I think it's a big announcement, a good announcement, but don't they oversold that? I thought it was going to be something like, like you said, like brand changing. Not that they're going to have in your house come back. I think it's a cool idea. I think last year's when we went, it was the 25th episode. The yes, 25th, correct. Uh, yeah. so, uh, they don't really have a set one at this point for that month. Usually it's like either Brooklyn or kind of the city. But I think I like the how the June ones, I think back in the day was, which I think with the one a couple of years ago, what was the year before Chicago? They had the end in June. Yeah, of I was going to say, yeah. I knew you would know it. I yep. knew you know what the name was. So, you're wor- yeah. you're so, working I through your way through the takeovers. It keeps that theme of yeah. kind of a random name, but I think it'll be a neat show. I, I mean, nothing's been announced yet, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, it's better than TakeOver Empty Arena. I mean, it's better than that, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they got to bring back the set, you would think, right? Yeah, they have to bring at least the house back. They I have mean, to. I haven't really seen too many of those shows, but always seeing like, the iconic house. Just, just you know, you're in your house at that point. Do you think? Yeah, exactly. Do you think they should bring back uh, Tom Pettengill? What are the odds of that? I honestly have no idea who the hell that is. Ah, so I'm damn just, it! 
Never mind. He he was like their version of Tom Phillips back in the day. And I wanted to see like the Spider-Man meme where they're pointing at each other. I just want to see them next to each other. They, he just reminds me a lot of Tom Phillips. If you go if you go back and watch any of those shows. But anyway, I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, yeah, when when they said major announcement, you see Triple H and Sean. I'm like, oh god, Sean's kind of in charge of the NXT UK branch. Are they like merging? Are they announcing NXT is NXT UK is over because the pandemic and they can't run any shows? Nope, just a, just a takeover. But you know, it's cool. But it's not like, you know, Regal was like, oh, major announcement. He was making it sound like he was pregnant or something like Becky Lynch did on Raw. So kind of kind of weird coming off the Becky uh, the Becky announcement on Raw, why you would phrase it that way. But uh, yay and boo, or yay or boo, excuse me, on uh, Damian Priest being revealed as Finn Balor's attacker on NXT. Boo! <laughs> uh, clearly this is because Walter stuck in England, but this was definitely supposed to be Walter and they needed some someone to fill in the time, so it's Damian Priest, but... You know this. I do not like Damian Priest at all, and I'd way rather that be Walter than him. Looking forward to Rhea Ripley versus Io Shirai next week for the first time ever. No, because Rio's going to beat her, and then it'll be her versus Charlotte, and then Io will be lost in the shuffle again. So I am not in favor of that. Yeah, I just why not just do the three way, dude? Why not do the triple threaded takeover? That just makes way too much sense. I mean, if anything, that makes the most sense because if well, I mean, technically they could have it just be a match. Maybe Charlotte's stupid again and gets involved, so it's not a clear winner, and then they do the triple threat. They've done that so many times. And they just do the triple threat at TakeOver. EO pins Rhea. Charlotte goes back to the main roster now, and then she's done because they don't need her down there. It just I don't want to rant on this again, but now that Becky's gone, they can bring Charlotte back to Raw, put the title on her at this point. I don't even care. I'd rather just hurt off NXT and then give EO her shot. There mm. you go. Yeah, and I completely agree. That spot should be for EO right now. I was hoping that... um. You know, Io would actually be the one to take the belt off of Rhea, and not Charlotte. Now, the whole thing between the two of them, between the two of them, kind of messes those plans up because I don't see Io getting the title, you know, at any point in the foreseeable future, which doesn't help because she went for the belt a number of times last year and lost too. So it's like this girl has gotten like five different title shots. She's the new Bianca Belair. She'll never win the big one, which sucks. But maybe she will. Hopefully, she will. But we'll soon see. Um, yay or boo on Mike Tyson being announced for Double or Nothing being the one to present the AEW TNT <laughs> Championship to the winner of Cody and Lance Archer. Mm, I just don't really care. I mean, if I was there and he like surprisingly came out, I'd be like, oh, that's neat. But it seems so WWE-ish that I'm just like, eh, who cares? Yay or like boo? Year, oh, sorry, go ahead. Who came out? It wasn't Bret Hart? Bret Hart came out last Bret Hart year? did, yeah. It's like, okay, whatever. I don't know. So I don't think it, like you would need someone to pr- like bring it out. It's not at more prestigious if Mike Tyson or GSM brings it out. It's just a belt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, belt is a belt. It's cool to see. I mean, it depends uh, if they end up doing anything with it. But uh, you know, some people thought it would be Sting because uh, he is gone from WWE apparently, or you know, not gone, but like he's no longer he's no longer under a Legends deal. Not that we've seen too much of him on TV anyway. I don't know if he was that Raw reunion show last year. He was definitely during there for that Ric Flair birthday thing for like two seconds. Don't really think we've seen him much on the show since then at all, which is kind of crazy considering they've had him for five years now. Um, actually, almost closer to six. And I don't know. He's a merchandising machine. The guy makes a lot of money off the shirts and the masks, but they've just done jack shit with the guy. I know he doesn't wrestle anymore, but like Ric Flair's on the show constantly to fucking you know put over his daughter. They can't have Sting on once in a while. It just seems odd to me. Um, but with Sting, any shot that we see him in AEW in any sort of role? 
they keep bringing back old WWE legends, so I wouldn't be too surprised. Yeah, I mean, they could be bringing him in. Do you, do you think they could position him as a manager for someone? Yeah, yeah, I think they could. I, I, if anyone, I would see probably Darby. I mean, the face paint. I saw someone else say that too, yeah. Might be so they have face paint, but I mean, they could bring him in to manage Darby. I, I don't think he's the greatest talker, so. And I think it'd be, he'd add more mystique to him if he didn't talk as much. And finally, yay or boo on the stadium stampede between the Elite and the Inner Circle, a double or nothing, especially if it means the return of not only the Young Bucks, but Adam Page as well. Uh, I'm going to go with yay, but I just really, like, what what the hell's a stadium stampede match? I mean, I've looked at it, on the results, it was kind of like a match at the stadium on the field, but I guess it's kind of like a street fight on the field, I would assume. Does this not knock out uh, blood and guts now? It's kind of just, I don't know, I, I would say yay, I think it would be interesting, I just really don't know what it's going to be. What do you do on a football field? Like, there's nothing around, you know? Maybe they haven't set up like a game, and they just throw each other into the benches and, <laughs> and Gatorade bottles. I, I really don't know. Like I said, that's why I was kind of confused when I saw it. But I don't know. It feels. Like, well, sorry. Go ahead. I think it seems a little rushed at this point. That the Bucks and Page haven't been on the show in months. Not only that, but it seems like they just did something similar two, not even two weeks ago, a week ago, with that street fight when they went on the concourse with Hardy and Omega and Jericho and Guevara. Well, that's like last night when they started the show with Cody coming out through the crowd in the truck, and then Moxley ended the show doing like the same exact thing. Yep. That was kind of weird, but no, yeah, I definitely agree with you. Like you said, you could kind of called what happened a week or two ago, like a stadium paid match. It happened in the kind of ended near the arena. It was in the concourse area, and they kind of at the end the inner circle went towards the field. But I just don't really know what it means, so I'm not gonna crap all over it now because I I really don't know what the match could contain, but. I think it'll be a good match, just like you said, rushed a little bit. The Bucks and Paige haven't been on the show in a while, and just just seems kind of forced. Yeah, Moxley and Lee is beyond rushed too. I don't know if we talked about that last week, but it seems way too premature. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. I don't think we really talked about AEW too much last week, but oh yeah, we had Money in the Bank last week. That's why we didn't discuss it. Yeah, yeah, right, we right, didn't right. discuss it all last week. Um, but no, I, I would completely agree. It's I think it's kind of not weird, but not the greatest business plan this is another pay-per-view of theirs headlined by two former wwe guys just like a casual fan saying that like aren't those two guys from wwe like and like you said especially for Brody lee he just debuted a couple months not even a month ago he's already getting a title match and he kind of needs wins right now too to kind of solidify himself as a big player in, in AEW. so if he goes and loses a moxley clean then what do you do with him is he just kind of going to float into the abyss of the dark order and then just kind of be a mid-card guy. I mean, that's what I kind of see him as anyways, but if you're going to bring him in and kind of make it a big deal, you need him to get wins and losing his first pay-per-view match to Mox, it would kind of, kind of make it sense. I don't think it's time for him to win the belt either, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, no, I'm interested to see what they do. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the rest of the card, especially the Cody Archer match. I'm looking forward to the casino ladder match. I feel like I'm so ladder matched out at this point. I've seen so many ladder matches in WWE. Uh, they even did one in AEW about a year ago, not even, like nine months ago with the Bucks and Lucha Bros at the All Out pay-per-view. That We've seen so many of them over the last nine months. I'm just ready for them to be done with the, with the ladder matches. But either way, though, you know, as, as much as I think some of these matches on the card have potential... I still don't think it's worth 50 bucks. So, hey, it's good that we have the BR Live account so we can just watch it for free. 
Yeah, I completely <laughs> agree. I think I think the show it can be good. It just uh, I would say it just has some similarities to the show that we went to last year. But last year, like the company wasn't even really formed at that point. Like it was just like a bunch of random matches that are going to be good, but there's not really like too much progression there. Um, like I think the ladder match, like you said, will be really good for the people that are involved so far. Um, don't really understand why best friends and private party are facing off. Like best friends is one, like a thought, like they are clearly the tag should be the tag team number one contenders, but then like they're wrestling again. Like they beat uh, Jurassic Express last night. I don't know. I just, they also aired a package last night. Not that it bothered me too much, but just kind of, it's just kind of like blad everyone like, Oh, we have the greatest tag team division ever. And they list off like fucking 20 teams, but then it's just like, okay, but, only two of those teams are even relevant because other guys either aren't on the show or when they're on the show, they're on dark and they haven't really won it like recently. I don't know. It kind of annoyed me how they're like, Oh, we have the greatest tag team division. And they listed like six teams that haven't even been on the show in like a month. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, they're like Lucha bros and like butcher blade and all these other fucking people proud and powerful. I'm like, okay, but they haven't even wrestled like actual tag team matches against tag, actual tag teams in months. Like, it's like saying you have the nicest car, but you know that you never take it out. It's not even a. It's not even a big thing. It's mm-hmm. they've got best friends, Jurassic Express. Like they've just been pumping them out like the last month. I understand like the circumstances are different, but what what has Private Party done in the last month to get a tag team title match, a shot at the contendership? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So like that kind of not like I said not that it really bothered me, but I just like they say they're the best tag team division, but. Their tag team champions now are a makeshift tag team. All the other big teams that they've signed, like Lucha Bros, should be such a bigger deal than they fucking are. They're literally another team. That's the issue. Like, they are, they have a stacked tag team division, but when every team is the exact same, it doesn't mean as much. Yeah, not only that, too, but I also feel that with, you know, the tag team division, did they announce, like, a number one contenders match? Is that what you're talking about? I missed that. Yeah, I believe they said that. Private Party versus Best Friends is like a number number one contendership match. That makes no sense. Private Party haven't been on the show in months, and we were there when they beat the Bucks. They were mega over, and they've done absolutely nothing since then. But it's like cool. Yeah, I, have it here. I have it here. Private Party versus Best Friends tag team match determined number one contenders. I mean, great, but like, why aren't? I mean, I get why, but it puts them in an odd position, dude, because they're not having a tag team title match on this show. Why even? This is what I understand. If they're gonna bring back the elite. You know, bring back Paige. Have them defend the fucking tag team titles, though. I mean, have them defend the tag team titles, and you could still do something with the Elite in in her circle. Like, I was thinking they were going to do something with Hardy and um, and Jericho or Guevara at the Hardy compound, and they haven't mentioned that at all in the last month. Like, I feel like that would be better since there's no one there. They can get away with doing another cinematic match. Why not just do that? I feel like the football thing is, is too similar to what they just did last week. Yeah, depending on what they do, like you said, we really don't know what it's going to be. But like you said, on a, if they just went on a football field, like, yeah, maybe they go in the stands and stuff, but, like, there's no one going to be there. I don't know. Like you said, we don't know what it's going to be, so I don't want to, like, crap all over it. But it's only a field unless they add, like, like gimmicks and stuff to the field. I guess, like, they could do something there if they had, like, the field set up for a football game or something. But there's only so much you can do, and last week was kind of – if they go on the concourse, it's going to be no different than what it was last week. I don't want to like seem like I'm crapping all over the, the company, yeah. but yeah. I mean, I just think that some things that they do are just extremely weird. 
Yeah, I'll reserve judgment. I mean, I reserve judgment on the Money in the Bank ladder matches at the headquarters, and I thought it would be a cool concept, and I, I think it was, personally. I, I, I enjoyed it, as we discussed earlier. So, if they can pull it off, I know that's a different company, but maybe AEW can do the same with the Stadium Stampede match. So, we'll discuss that more in detail next week, who we think is going to win, along with every other match in the card when we do the preview picks and predictions for the Double or Nothing pay-per-view for the second straight year after being there last year. Hopefully we can go. I mean, RJ, you badly want to be back in Vegas at some point. Oh, definitely. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe 2000 and what, what's next year? I'm losing track of time here. 2021. Maybe we'll be back for next year. Um, I'm more of a Chicago guy myself, but I had a great time last year with the Mr. Marceau in, in Vegas brings back memories now of, of going to that show. So hopefully soon enough, we can reunite in the uh, city of sin in May of 2021. But until then though, before next week, I, I give you a recommendation. Go check out Hercules again, the old one. And another movie that popped in my head while we were talking, um, Pixar movie. I don't know if you've seen it recently. Fucking love Monsters, Inc. That movie will never get old to me. Yeah, I love, that's a great movie. I'll definitely have to check it out again. Love Monsters, Inc. Love Bugs Life, too. Bugs Life is hilarious. I love Bugs Life, so I'm going to go check out those movies. But any recommendations for uh, GSM before we ride off into the sunset here? I would definitely recommend the new Aladdin. Or, or oh, right, right, right. What was the second one? This, the uh, cinematic uh, Beauty and the Beast one. Yeah, I haven't seen. I don't think I've seen that on at all um, since um, I saw it in theaters a couple of years ago. So I, I want to check it out. It was on Netflix at one point. They took it off, bastards. But it's it's in a weird spot because it's not on Netflix, but it's also not on Disney Plus. So it's owned by like TNT or some shit. So. I'll have to go back and check that out. It might be on Xfinity. I'll have to check. But um, anyway, Mr. Marceau, people can check you out on Twitter at RJ underscore Marceau. Always a great time talking to you, brother, and I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, GSM. All right, have an awesome one, and I'll catch your ass down the road. Later.